Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and live positively through the challenges of life. Joining me today as my co-host is Peter Goro, VP of Business Development at TechBlocks. Introduce yourself, Peter. Peter is the one who introduced me to Melissa. Thank you very much, uh, Tom. It's a pleasure to share the chair with you today. Um, um, thanks for the introduction. Uh, yes, we uh, uh, reside here at TechBlocks, and TechBlocks, uh, if you'll allow me just a second, uh, we're a company that delivers success uh, by empowering its clients with customer-first strategies, innovative solutions, and deep domain expertise uh, surrounded uh, in a uh, digital transformation environment. So that means, uh, if you'll allow me just for a second, it means something and nothing to, every, to everyone, but uh, uh, we, we supply end-to-end technology solutions uh, we're a hybrid consulting organization that go in and help you map out your plans to take your business live, online, and collaborative. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today is loud, bold, and uh, best-selling author, interesting person, Melissa Krivacek. Honored by the National Council of American Executives as a 2014 top U.S. executive, two-time international best-selling author, she's passionate about inspiring audiences across the globe. She believes you can have it all at the same time, love, success, and happiness. She was chosen as Evolution Magazine's 2013 top power player under 40 and has been featured on CNN, Forbes, Yahoo Finance, and dozens of other shows. Her passion for personal growth resonates with entrepreneurs looking to break through the ceiling of complexity to build sustainable seven-plus figure businesses. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks so much, Tom and Peter, for having me. I uh, read uh, a little bit about you online the last few days, watched a little video, and uh, I am impressed. Peter, you get the first question here. Well, um, I'm intrigued by the choice of title for your uh, new book, uh, Melissa Bold. Uh, And when I think of bold, I think about the coffee I drink every morning, and (laughs) I don't know where else to go from there. Uh, uh, What was your uh, purpose behind that? Bold is just when people take a risk and they do it in a way that compels them to take enough action and getting a result, um, that's when you're living a passionate life and that's when you can wake up with purpose every day and know that you're making a difference in other people's lives whether you get paid to do it or not. So that's sort of the definition of bold. But I suppose you could say bold is like a hot topic right now. I don't know if you've noticed it, but in tons of commercials and everywhere else, all I've heard is the word bold since I published this book, which has been interesting. <laughs> I like it. Melissa, I am all about uh, finding your purpose in life. Uh, for, the question is a little, a few things in it. First of all, have you read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? And then secondly, you know how much he talks about finding your purpose. And it's the one thing I get asked the most from people, because it's very hard to do. I didn't discover mine till my mid-40s. Uh, 
talk about the coaching and the teaching you do to help people find this boldness to do what they need to do and also touch on the point that your purpose does not always have to necessarily be your job. You can have an education and a skill that earns you a good amount of money, but your purpose can be somewhere else. But your job empowers your purpose. And the more you earn on the job, perhaps the more you can contribute to what your true passion and purpose is. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, Tom. And I think a lot of people are confused about what their purposes are, like even is. So there's 13 questions you can ask to find your purpose. And one of the questions is, I know you guys are probably in an office building right now, right? Yeah. Okay, so what is hanging on the walls and what is surrounding you right now? <laughs> Nothing is on the walls. <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't think that's completely right. I think there's, prob- there's probably some uh, messages on uh, oh, yeah. on Tom's walls uh, directing him and uh, reminding him of his, uh, you know, uh, uh, of what he's planning for today. That's for sure. Yeah. So, like for me, I have inspirational quotes and uh, cool pictures of traveling and stuff like that. And those things are linked automatically to my purpose. And so a lot of people overlook the simplest things that can be linked to their purpose. So if you spend a lot of time as a mechanic just messing around in your own backyard and you see it as a hobby, it's probably going to be linked to your purpose in some way. Um, So whatever's on your walls, whatever's in front of you every single day, whatever you spend a good majority of your time engaged in, um, or learning, then those things are definitely linked to your purpose. And you may not even recognize them because you do it so often and you're so good at it that someone would probably have to point it out. <laughs> Melissa, you are speaking to the choir here. Uh, <laughs> when I became Napoleon Hill Foundation Certified Instructor, part of the course is design your definite purpose. And when I thought I had it great and perfect. I submitted it, and the woman who knows me so well, Judy Williamson, said, are you crazy? She said, that's not your purpose. You're trying to be somebody else. And she said, your purpose is to encourage and inspire other people. And the one, you know, now I have a really solid purpose that when I look at it, I think, my goodness, if, if the Lord was sitting across from me from my desk, which would be pretty cool, I think he'd hand me the exact same document that I have written down. And so uh, I, uh, the next thing I want to ask is, from what I know from Peter, you didn't grow up with your parents or yourself saying, well, when I grow up, my or my daughter Melissa is going to be a motivational speaker. Or you didn't grow up uh, thinking, well, I'm going to be inspiring people and writing books and speaking. How did you go from... Melissa, my cute little child, to Melissa Krivacek on the stage writing books and inspiring people. It was a long, tough journey. Um, So when I was 16, I went and got a job with Walmart, and I grew up the ranks very quickly because I had an incredible um, manager who just sort of took me under his wings and taught me everything I needed to know about leadership and management. And then in 2008, when the economy collapsed and I got a store manager position, I actually ended up fired um, for doing the right thing. And so at that point, I was 19 and completely naive. I did not save any money, ended up 
homeless, ended up with 50 grand in debt, had five maxed out credit cards, had my car repossessed, and on top of that, I had so many speeding tickets, I ended up um, in jail for six days. So at that point, I did not know what my purpose was. I thought it was like, hey, I'm going to become the next Sam Walton. I'm going to work retail my entire life. Um, And so when I had the carpet pulled out from underneath me, I ended up with a temp job working for minimum wage, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And even then, I couldn't maintain my lifestyle. So I ended up moving back home with my parents, and uh, I just began searching um, because when you spend six days by yourself, it's a a very long time. I don't know, Tom, if you meditate, but if you do... (laughs) yeah. I mean, 10 minutes is a long time, much less than right. 16. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when I, when I got out of jail, I immediately um, started gravitating towards, you know, hours upon hours of YouTube videos. I would consume everything, Napoleon Hill, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, uh, mm. Les Brown. Mm. I mean, you name it. My library is incredibly extensive. It contains thousands of books, uh, most of which I've read. Um, I've invested in coaching, but I couldn't afford that in the beginning. So what I did was I just used the free tools that were available, the Internet mostly. And I utilized the power of social media to build incredible relationships, which has ultimately led me to where I am today. So hmm. I figured at the end of the day, if I can take myself out of this place of fear, anxiety, um, 50 grand in debt, and just really having – a mediocre average lifestyle that people are incredibly content with, um, then I can inspire and show other people to do the same. And that's exactly what I've done. And as a result, like I've become even more inspired by people's results and just continue to do that every single day. Wow, that is quite a story. Six days in jail. Yeah, that'll have you thinking twice. <laughs> For Peter, sure. you get the ne- Peter, you get the next question. <laughs> well, I knew you were going to be shocked by that. Uh, uh, Melissa had shared that uh, shared that story with me before, and actually, that was the one thing that was uh, that, that I think that stuck in my mind about her is that uh, definitely a self-made individual. And uh, you know, uh, I, I think I think one of the things that we all kind of struggle with is is actually you know uh, thinking too hard about sort of where we came from and, uh, and not, you know, I'm not spending enough time on uh, the journey forward. And I think, uh, you know, Melissa certainly, uh, I think, probably sat down in a room someplace, uh, you know, and, and after shedding some tears kind of just said, you know, enough of this. Let's put a, you know, let's uh, put a lid on this and go do something else. And uh, I think that's uh, really been, I think that's a really difficult thing you know, for um, an older person, never mind a 16-year-old person. So, I mean, uh, uh, kudos to you for uh, sp- spinning. But I, I think your journey's not uh, ended yet, right? Uh, because uh, oh. you look like you've transformed yourself even yet again. Yeah, every day, Peter, every day. So it's funny that you say that because um, just in January, actually, I had not anticipated being an author. That was never really on my list of things to do. I mean, many people have told me, like, write books, you know, so that's great, but I don't really want to write a book. So my significant other actually went to work abroad 
and I just got a brand new 4,000 square foot home, which I didn't have furniture delivered to yet. So when he called me from LaGuardia Airport in New York, telling me he's going to India for four months, I immediately fell to the ground and started crying. And I, I looked at my best friend who happened to be at the house at the time, and I said, Sarah, I'm going to write a book. And she said, you're what? And I'm like, I have to. And, like, emotionally, I could never write the same story that I wrote again. And that's what sort of took off. And uh, I ended up writing two books in 56 days. So the first one came out in January. The second one came out in February. And then in June, um, I ended up becoming an international best-selling author. And a publishing company approached me and asked if I would do a third book. And anyone that's wrote one book knows that it's, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of energy, not to mention the money that's involved. So I said, I'm not doing three books this year. It's just not going to happen. Um, and they they got after me for, I don't know, 60 days or so. It was consistent calls. And I'm just like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we'll do it, but I'm not writing the entire book, so what's your plan? And then, um, you know, it, it came down to we're going to have other people pay you to be involved like you're the celebrity and I was like all right that's great but now I'm going to hand select the people that are involved because I know some really high caliber incredibly passionate people that are making a difference and those are the exact people I wanted involved and um, so we did that and it's now transformed into going on an international tour with Les Brown early next year and Les has actually contributed to the book himself but I actually did not know Les so I just mentioned it to my friend, and she's like, let's call Les right now, right? So like a lot of people, I had an underlying fear. So my first reaction was, no, we're not calling Les right now because I'm scared. Right. <laughs> and uh, she goes, what are you talking about? You're scared. You would call the president of the United States and talk to him. And I'm like, no, <laughs> but you don't understand. Like, I'm really scared right now. She's like, okay, we'll call his son. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I still don't want to talk to his son, right? Um, but actually, Les ended up calling me and asking me what he should contribute to the book. And that's sort of what took this this roller coaster of a ride from literally not wanting to write a book earlier this year to going on an international tour with Les Brown, which has been nothing less than incredible. And, uh, did you say you didn't know Les Brown before this? <laughs> I still don't know Les Brown. I've talked to him like twice. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Two books and a Les Brown tour within 12 months. When I saw that yesterday, like uh, Peter talks about a lot of people, you know, and so my, once he said, well, and she's going to be touring with Les Brown, I'm like, let me look that girl up and uh, send me her website because that is a – well, I was jealous. I was thinking, wow, I want to share that stage with Les Brown. And so that is, and to do that all in one year, that is. Yeah, it's a really funny thing because I tell people all the time, I'm incredibly fortunate to, to have what happened happen to me um, because thousands upon millions of people want to get less of attention. There's no <laughs> question about that. Right. But you did what it took. You just picked up the phone. And here's what I found with all the radio shows I've done and people I hang around with. 
the most successful people, A, most people are afraid to contact them, but B, they're the most willing to help and serve and whatever you need. Most of the time, those people are available and that's their purpose is to help and serve other people. So while most people would be just like you, Wes Brown, are you kidding? I don't even want to email that guy. Uh, you pick up a phone and somehow get on the phone and imagine to manage to talk with Les Brown. And so I think boldness comes with overcoming your fear. Bold doesn't mean you don't have fear. Bold means that I don't care about this fear. I'm going to call Les Brown. Yeah, Amen. no, and the, the other thing that came, the other, pardon me, the other thing that came to my mind as you were talking, Melissa, is that, you know, you're, you know, you started your story about being 16, and I think you're probably, what, about 26, 27 years old today? I'm 26, so, yeah. Yeah, see, uh, so it's taken you 10 years to become an overnight success, right? <laughs> <laughs> I always hear that story, you know, about the person that's really making it, and then, you know, they they figure, uh, you know, they, they've not been heard of, and all of a sudden, everybody hears about them, and then they say, well, you know, how did you get there? And it's like, it took me 10 years to get here. <laughs> so you, you probably really had something to write about. You probably had something to say, and uh, and then as long as you kept it real, I'm sure that's uh, that that's really contributed to your success. Absolutely, and it's the funniest thing because, like, I went back to the store that and the manager that actually inspired me, right, and I brought him my books, and, I mean, I drove five hours to get to the store. First of all, I had to research where he was, and, I mean, we spent, like, a great deal of time, and I was explaining to him, like, what has all transformed in the last um, five years since I saw him, and then just a couple weeks ago, the guy that actually fired me got a hold of my books and called me, right? And he, he wants coaching, and I was like, this is awesome. This is, like, the best wow. thing that could have happened. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. The guy that fired you wants to be coached by you. That's brilliant. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I can't top that. What about you, Tom? I mean, that, that's, that's incredible. I'm laughing but at that. That is amazing. So it's the thing that he's been stuck in the corporate rat race for years upon years. I mean, imagine being stuck in the same job with the same pay, with the same company for how many years and not knowing what your passion was. That's what most people deal with every single day. Maybe his passion was firing people. Yeah, maybe, but that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Melissa, uh, Napoleon Hill starts his book with Thoughts Are Things, and a lot of what I talk about is purposefully managing your thirty to 60,000 daily thoughts. And purposely means you have to purposely seek out, like you did, positive videos, positive books, because if you don't purposely pre-choose that, life is going to throw you crap, negativity, news you don't want to hear about, news that's not going to help you at all. Uh, so talk about how you came about and how you coach others to manage those your own thirty to sixty thousand daily thoughts that will direct your then your words and then that will direct your actions as well. Yeah, so when most individuals sit down to work every single day, they've got about twenty thousand things in front of them that they're trying to do and as a result, every twenty minutes they're distracted and then it takes them an additional twenty minutes to get back on track. So they're ultimately working about two to three hours a day, which is not productive at all. And 
I mean, what was once 10,000 years to become an expert becomes, you know, 20 years instead of 10. Hmm. So the important part is when you are focusing on one thing, then focus on that one thing and set everything else aside. So if you're going to make sales calls, strictly make sales calls. Shut your computer down. Don't be taking notes. Um, don't be updating your social media status or texting your best friend. Uh, the people that are speaking with you need to realize that you're very conscious and respectful of their time and what's going on. The same goes when you are um, updating your paperwork. Strictly update your paperwork and put your phone away, put your computer away and all of that. So I think it's incredibly important that you focus your time, effort, and energy on one thing and not 20 different things. And that's how you're going to increase your productivity and as a result your influence in the marketplace. Wow, you just reminded me of a, an old boss I used to have. I used to go in and just try to have a chat with him. And he'd always be looking at his computer. And, and, he, and he'd talk to me, but he'd never look at me. You know, I, I remember that. And I thought, man, how, how, how are you where you are and I am where I am? Like, like I, I, I couldn't understand it. really couldn't understand that. that. That really hit home one thing at a time. Because, you know, today, because there's so much going on, we are multitasking. You know, we're on Twitter, we're watching our phones, we're trying to get the next call, we're, you know, we're making sure we don't get run down by traffic in case, you know, while, while we're crossing the road, and then we're, and we're doing it all. I mean, how do you discipline yourself to, to focus on that one thing that makes you uh, uh, successful? Um, well, first of all, you have to be committed and you have to have a timeline to get things done. So the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning immediately is roll out of bed and hit the gym. And I do that when like the least amount of people are at the gym. So I'm not distracted by these people that look good or what are they doing and comparing myself. That's one thing you have to get out of doing is comparing yourself. So when we go to social media things like Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, or anywhere else, immediately we're like, oh, my God, that person has more money. Oh, my God, that person's living in a greater house. Oh, I want to go on vacation. Like, we need to just stop the comparison and realize what we want to accomplish and then put deadlines behind that. So, like, whatever you want in your life, write that down, but make sure that you are driven by something that your heart wants because your head can literally learn anything. So you can go to the library and learn psychology and science and physiology and whatever you want to learn. But if your heart is not in it, it is 99% guaranteed that you are not going to accomplish that goal. So you have to stay focused and stay committed on your own path and not compare yourself to what other people are doing and where other people are going. Wow. Yeah. You know, that really talks to the fact that live your own life, not somebody else's, right? Yeah, I mean, every day people are comparing themselves to so many other people and that's distracting them from producing the results that they actually want. I mean, if you are obese and you go to the gym and you're comparing yourself, guess what? You're not actually um, focusing on your body and increasing, like, you know, your running speed. Because once you increase your running speed, you increase your metabolism and as a result, more fat gets burned, right? Because you're focused on your body. But if you're comparing yourself to others, then these negative thoughts appear, like what if 
um, you know, she was just born that way, or what if I don't have the right metabolism, or what if, you know, I don't have enough money to invest in good food. And the same mm-hmm. is true in every other aspect of our life. Yeah, wow. Hey, I have an upcoming book, and I only have five points in it, and you hit one of them. Don't compare, but I add don't assume as well. Uh, that guy may be driving a hot car, but he may be in hock up to his ears. He may be sleeping in his car. His wife may be throwing toasters at him at home. Uh, so just because, and, you know, my wife and I look at houses like as we drive by, oh, that's a beautiful big house. But I'm handicapped. If I'm living in a big house, that's not suited for me. So you can't just say, oh, I love a big house like that. It's like, hmm, really? Not really, I wouldn't, because stairs and walking and, I prefer a smaller place, and so don't compare or assume. Uh, The maintenance on a big place is insane. Like, you know, I moved into a 4,000-square-foot home um, in November of last year, and in six months I was out of that home because just the maintenance crew that I had to maintain for the home was insane. Like, And then you have to realize, is the investment worth it? So, yeah, I mean, I wanted the big house too, but at the end of the day, I really didn't. Exactly. So comparing and assuming that the big house is the the best house doesn't always work. And and this the the not comparing comes down to and the being focused comes down to if you have a strong definite purpose for your life, that also means that you have to ignore ninety five percent of everything else that comes into your life. I have chosen a purpose, and that means I have to be crappy or non unknowledgeable about a ton of other things and so there's a lot of topics like news topics, regular everyday topics where I'm just looking at you with a blank face like no, I didn't read about that in the news, or no, I don't know about that. And so I think the stronger your purpose is and the more driven to your own specific purpose you are, it allows you to focus on that and gives you a perfect reason to block out the rest of the non-value-added stuff that's out there. Yeah, I mean, you have to outsource all of the things that you're not specialties and then you have to say no. Like, for example, just going on tour with Lutz, right? Now I've been afforded, like, 10,000 other opportunities. Like, can you do uh, a reality show? Can you be a guest on, on all these radio shows? Can you uh, run your own radio show? Um, you know, this, that, and the other. And that's all fantastic. But as, you know, Mark Cuban or Damon John or any of the amazing entrepreneurs that you see that are incredibly successful with say. The more you say no, the more time you have for what's really important to you. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think I see that all the time. You know, I'm a, I'm a great fan of Shark Tank, and I, I see those, I see the big players there, and they've got, you know, they've, they've they've got more money than anybody else, right? But the reality is, I find them so discriminating about what they really want to get involved in, and there's a real lesson there. You know, I mean, you, they. It's not that they have it all, you know. It's more about they've chosen what they want. And, and, and by virtue of them making the right choices, they've, they've grown. And, 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 and not just in wealth, but just in their, in their personalities too and in, and, and in their skill sets. And I think that discriminating from the noise, per se, that we all hear in our careers 
in our businesses, in our lives. I think, I think uh, you make a great point there. Yeah. How, how have you been able to do that, though? I mean, it takes a lot of discipline, you know, because you know, I think so many people suffer from ADD on, on life. You know, they're, they, they, they're, looking at other, they're looking at others and, and, and forgetting to look internally as to what really, really uh, can help drive their, uh, their personal being. H- how, do you really, how do you really separate? How do you really cut that noise out of your system? It's really tough. I mean, if, if success was easy, we'd all be successful, right? Mm. But at the end of the day... You know what you want. You know what you're willing to sacrifice. You know what you're willing to invest in. So you need to look inside and say, all right, what is it going to take? And am I actually willing to do those things? Like for me, I make sure my email box is empty. I make sure that I don't have cable. I make sure that I don't read the newspaper. I make sure that I'm on social media for a couple hours a day, maximum. I make sure that I'm engaging with my clients. And then I make sure that Every other thing that I'm associating myself with is something that is going to inspire the people that I want to inspire and the audiences that I want to impact. And everything else is not important to me. I mean, I would love to help everyone. I really, really would. And I'll give you an example of this. My neighbor just had her fifth kid. And uh, two days before she was having the child, uh, I, re- I was out in the parking lot and she was screaming, Melissa, Melissa, and I'm like, What? Like, I mean, I don't know this neighbor. We've met once during a tornado, and that was it. So when she said, you know, I need my kids to go to school at 8.30, 12.30, and we picked up at 3.30, can you do this for three weeks? And, you know, now you're going to be responsible for four kids. I mean, I really did want to help her. I did. But at the end of the day, it's not my responsibility that you did not plan the nine months that you had accordingly so your kids could get educated while you're busy taking care of a newborn. That's not my responsibility to leave my job, even though I work out of my house, to be responsible for your life. You have to take care of yourself and you have to be responsible for whatever you put on your plate. (laughs) And people don't like to hear that they're responsible because... Uh, even in my own life, I have some people that uh, blame, 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 blame. Somebody else is at fault. People don't like to take responsibility, and that's where you become successful is when you manage your thoughts and take responsibility for your. I know. I really did want to tell her yes, but I'm just like, I can't, because the best thing I could do for her is to tell her no. Right, right. Uh, so here's a cool question I like to ask people. It sounds like you have uh, found uh, an amazing guy, a uh, super amazing guy even, might it sound like. And uh, Napoleon Hill talks a lot about the best mastermind is between spouses. And I've been married seven years. I didn't really get my wife involved in the mastermind until the last <laughs> year uh, because she doesn't read these books. She's not a speaker. She's never read Think and Grow Rich. But once you get your spouse involved as a mastermind partner, they, that can really, really help a lot, uh, especially when they know that your brain is just thinking of your purpose while they're talking to you about something else. Uh, do you include the, the, this super amazing guy in your purpose? And, oh, I'm going to do this. And he says, well, maybe you should do it this way. 
uh, how does that work with uh, someone as passionate about their purpose as you are and the guy that you're with? Well, he's also incredibly passionate about what he does, and absolutely, we mastermind together. I think there's an untold power or an unseen power in the power of love. The love is something that will compel you to new heights, and it's something that you don't even know is there because it's simply not visible. But when you have it, um, you want to share your success. You want to share your failure. You want to share the ups and downs of your day, what's working, what's not working. Um, whether they read the books or not or whether they listen to the audios or not, it doesn't really make a difference. What, what truly makes a difference is that support, accountability, respect, and having a peer to just bounce ideas off of. Because at the end of the day, your relationship affects your business more than you know, and your business affects your relationship more than mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I'll say. I mean, I mean, reality is, you know, my partner, and uh, we've been together now for uh, well over 16 years and married for six of those, and, and, and quite frankly, I know deep down in my heart that she is positively thinking about me and supporting me and even if it's in her mind processing my day with me even if she has absolutely nothing to do uh, with my business i just i just know that that uh, i can go home and and i, and I can unload <laughs> and it's it's such a great haven to have you know because uh, uh, everybody needs that kind of uh, that power burst you know, uh, after even after a great day, you know, like a great day, you don't just go home and complain about the about the bad days. You go home and you know you celebrate the good ones. And uh, and, uh, and and Jude is uh, absolutely superb at, uh, at supporting me on all those fronts. So uh, sounds like uh, uh, what's the gentleman's name? Is, is it was it Rahan? Is, is that, did I get that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you're fortunate to have somebody. Uh, of that same uh, of that same ilk, yeah. And the thing is, with people who are successful, I mean, Tom, Peter, you, and you know everybody else that has the amount of success that we have, um, it's important to find somebody that's not intimidated by that. That's sort of on the same level, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. Because I think a lot of times, especially as women um, who are successful, it's it's actually really difficult <laughs> to go into the dating world and say, you know. I've got these athletes or I've got these titles I've been seen on these things. Um, you know, do you want to hang out? And the average person is going to say absolutely not because <laughs> I'm intimidated by your success. Are you kidding me, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book. Uh, can you sum it up in like uh, five minutes or who it's aimed at? What uh, For myself, like I've read a ton of books, so... A, you're going to send me one, but B, you're going to tell me a little bit about it now. <laughs> and I like, oh, another point I liked earlier, you, you said you have a ton of books and you read most of them. I'm the same. I figure sometimes I just buy a book and I feel smarter just looking at it on my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only so much time in a day and there's so many amazing books to read. Right, and i got to own it whether I have seven to read already or not. Yes. Amen to that. So uh, I'm going to be reading Bold. What is Bold going to help me to do? 
So Bold is a compilation of amazing, successful entrepreneurs who have taken the risk in their life. I'll give you an example. Marcy Locke, she was 70 pounds overweight, had two little boys. Her husband cheated on her. Um, Now she does nearly half a million dollars in sales in the fitness industry a month. Um, Mm. You know, there are people like Allie Brown's assistant. She does an incredible job of organizing her day and teaching others how to organize their, their day and their life so they can maximize their potential, tap into their purpose, and do everything they want in the day. And at the end of the day, go home, relax, and not worry about what the next day is going to look like or um, bring stress into the relationship at home. I was Um, on her website yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Jacob Naraki has the number one self-help podcast on iTunes, and he's all about um, helping people recognize that it's not just um, waking up and knowing what your purpose is, but it's really living for things that are beyond um, what we think our purpose is. For example, his his baby boy, um, and he has another child on the way, you know, actually inspire him to be a greater dad, a greater support system to his wife, um, to give back to the community and be a firefighter um, and all of that. And so it's all about what you do with your life. I mean, Les Brown talks about the greatness you have within you, the power that you have that is is untapped and that goes sitting dormant for hours, weeks, and sometimes years on end. I mean, the guy for 14 years gave himself stories and excuses about why he couldn't do something. And I relate that at the end of the book and saying that, you know, I was actually afraid to talk to Les Brown, but in knowing his story and knowing that he didn't do something for 14 years, I wouldn't want to put myself in the same shoes if I presented with an opportunity of this caliber, right? So the the ultimate goal is to take the action and know whatever action you're taking is the right action for you at the time. Now, whether it leads to the result you want or not, that's the risk you have to take as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. Exactly. Uh, I kind of use the ready, fire, aim approach. I would rather just jump into action. So I'm doing something, and then I'm learning something, and it may be learning the wrong way to do it. But I'd rather get into action and uh, course correct as I go than be one of those that sits back and like, wow, when it's the right time, and I feel right about it, and I got money in the bank, and blah, 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 and they're never going to take the first step. I'd rather take the first step and just get into action and then figure out, ooh, okay, uh, I guess I should do it this way instead. John, that's a great system for anything. That's that's for sure. I'm sure Melissa agrees with me. I mean, reality is uh, business life, it doesn't matter. I mean, you really got to step into something, right? Uh, I mean, I, I think that... You know, even for myself, I know that, that my day-to-day successors are not based on going in and blowing out a great big plan, but taking a position and and pointing something out to someone that they can fix right away. Um, uh, what what are your thoughts on that, uh, Melissa? Yeah, so I would say fail fast and fail as often as you possibly can. Um, if you're not good at something. That, and you fail at it, then find somebody that's good at it and um, replace their expertise with yours. I mean, some of the greatest people in the world will tell you that's how they've gotten to the top. Um, the guy that owns Virgin Airlines, Richard Branson, is a great example of that. Hmm. 
So, you know, for me, I've failed. I can't even tell you how many times, thousands of times. I fail every day at something. <laughs> um, and that is actually what helps you grow more than anything else. So sitting there thinking about what action to take is not going to help you as much as failing at something that you're not good at or something that maybe isn't working for you. And you're going to find out very quickly whether it's going to work or not, whether you're going to get a result or not. But you have to stick the course long enough. Um, you know, for example, I've been, you know, essentially in leadership and management for 10 years. So did I know that this was my purpose? I would ultimately tell you absolutely not. I wasn't 100% definitive um, about that until like the last one, one and a half years. So. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And uh, even my purpose, like sometimes you don't even know it. When I when I found about mine was to share my story about mm, my arthritis and all my joint replacements and my pain, uh, I fought it. I said, oh, man, are you kidding? I get sore and I go through the same feelings and emotions as I went through when I, all those times I suffered through pain and surgeries. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, this is my purpose to, like, make myself go through this pain to share it with others, to give them some encouragement and inspiration. And so sometimes we we don't even know. Other people can point out what our purpose is better than we can ourselves. It's funny that you say that because, like, my story of being fired and everything, I didn't want to share that with the world, right? No, no. Or six days in, six <laughs> days in jail. You don't want to be sharing six days in jail all the time. But when it, when it encourages and inspires <laughs> others to be like, okay, if that girl can do it, then I can do it too. It's like, oh, excellent. Now that's worth it. Use... We're sharing. Yeah, I mean, you have to use the pain that you have in life to catapult you into a power position so you can live the most fulfilling life in all areas, you know, health, finances, your career, relationships, and have the self-image and confidence you need to get in front of the people that ultimately are the decision makers and impactors. Exactly. And some of the biggest pains in your life lead to your greatest purposes. No doubt about that. <laughs> Which you don't always realize while you're in the middle of the pain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I didn't know where my life was going to lead. And I mean, if someone told me it was going to lead here, I would tell you, like, you're joking. It's not <laughs> going to become my reality, right? Right. Yep. So one thing I wonder about, because I'm, uh, I love branding and online stuff, uh, why didn't you get your domain name, your website name, your actual name? Because it's a little bit complicated and not an English exactly word. What is your website? And explain how you got to this website domain name. So Briella Arian is the name of my company. And the reason that I chose that name is because I was meditating, and those are just the two names that came to mind. Briella is female, Ariane is male. Briella means in God I trust, and Ariane um, means melodious or enchantment. So um, I use my vocal cords every day to inspire people. So enchantment and melodious obviously make sense, and I believe that God took me out of, you know, this place of fear and anxiety and all this other stuff, uh, this negative place to where I am today. And so Briella makes sense. Mm -hmm. But um, I chose not to use my actual name 
on purpose. Uh, John Maxwell or Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, all those guys are great examples of those that have used their name. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the middle of the wheel and all the folks run around you, you have a huge, huge responsibility to make sure that everyone knows your name. And that's all great if you take yourself out of the middle of the wheel. The spokes cannot turn because the wheel's broken. Mm-hmm. So I feel like John Maxwell, although I love the guy's death, has to do an amazing amount of work to brand his name after he dies, right? And right. I just don't want to, to have to go through that. Like, I want people to know who I am, but I want to inspire people to be leaders such as I am under a company name, not under my own personal name, because I don't need people to carry, like, the Melissa Kravacic name. That's not a brand. Um, as much as we want to say it is, and as much as I, I use my name in everyday um, interactions, a brand goes beyond the individual. Like Steve Jobs, I guess he's an iconic brand, but the actual brand itself that gets the recognition is Apple. And so yes. people live Steve Jobs messages through Apple, the company. No, you're 100% right. I mean, you can say, you can say virgin to anyone, and Richard Branson comes it's, it's the next thing you think of. End of story. So, good point. Well made. Exactly. Yeah. So, I just didn't want to go through all the work at the end of the tunnel to say, let's brand everybody as certified Melissa Karachi consultants. That would be insane. Like, I just don't want to do that. Right. And you said something that kind of strange but cool and hit me well is uh, Branding after he dies. Who thinks of branding after they die? But a truly successful person, I believe, has a legacy that in mind that when they're dead, they want to impact people after they're dead, and they want people talking about how they impacted them. So that's like creating your legacy, knowing what your legacy, what you want it to be, and then living into your legacy so that you can be branded after you die. You, after you die, you're still impacting people. Uh, that's, for you to say that obviously means you've thought about uh, your legacy and how you want to impact people, and you want it to be beyond just the number of years that you're on this planet. Oh, yeah. I'm, I want to be like, you know, the person everyone re- remembers. I don't think there's a lot of female personal development um, individuals that that come to mind that have built a legacy, so to speak, where when you say their name, um, immediately everyone knows who they are. So Mm -hmm. I'm sort of aspiring to be that first female, so to speak, that everyone knows their name um, because they've made that big of an impact. Ah, that is a bold legacy, my friend. So good for you. I can see where bold comes from. But yes, uh, impact many people while you're here and after you're gone. And amen. And if you know that in advance and you're such a young pup compared to Peter and I, uh, you got lots of years to live into your legacy. Uh, we could go on forever, like we've talked about 45 minutes now, and uh, this is just like a conversation between friends. But I really want to thank you so much for your time today, Melissa. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading Bold, 
and I'm looking forward to following you. And oh, Les Brown, you're sharing this stage with Les Brown. You better tell me about it and share it, and I'll be telling people all about it as well. Uh, that is an incredible coup. Uh, so tell us your spell out your website name so that people are like, okay, how do I spell this Briella thing on whatever it is, Briella Arian. Yeah, so spell it out for people. I'll put it on the website when I promote uh, the show as well. Cool. B-R-I-E-L-L-A-A-R-I-O-N.com. BriellaArian.com. Amazing. Good luck with the book and with the talk. Uh, Peter, uh, what will we say? Tech Blocks, you can find us at tblocks.com if you really want to wow people with your website or you really want to wow your employees with collaboration, um, we can definitely help you with that, tblocks.com. Couldn't have, couldn't have said it better with myself, Tom. Thanks very much for that. Thanks for uh, sharing the chair today. Melissa, great to catch up with you and uh, look forward to uh, reading and hearing about your uh, new ventures. Take care. Awesome. Thanks, Tom and Peter, for having me. Take care. Thank you.